Hi, I'm Naira Smith. Welcome to this conference audio from Work and Go Manchester 2023. For more resources and information about Work and Go and about our upcoming events, check out our website, workandgo.org. Work and Go wants to see work and lives transformed by the good news of Jesus. We seek to inspire, equip, and commission you as a follower of Jesus, affirming that sharing your faith across cultures and having a fulfilling career are not mutually exclusive. In fact, they're made to go together. In this episode, we hear from Sarah Hunter. Sarah worked at GlaxoSmithKline, a global biopharma company, for over 30 years in a variety of roles that included engineering, global strategy, and implementation. She has been inspired by biblical figures like Esther, Joseph, and Daniel, whose example have helped shape her and provided guidance as she worked on implementing strategy that led to lasting cultural change in her workplace. Her challenge to Christian workers today is for them to see their role as a royal priesthood called to worship God in and through their work. Enjoy. It's really, really good to, to welcome you all to this. And of course, if you're working, you're, you're spending a lot of your time in the workplace. Billy Graham, arguably the most famous evangelist in the last century, said this, the average adult is awake 16 hours a day, and if you say one hour to get ready for work and 30 minutes to travel to work with eight hours at work, that's already 10 out of 16. It's more than half of your time in, during the week is spent at work. And contrast that with how much time you spend at church. So you maybe, you, you maybe have one or two hours on a Sunday, and maybe if you go to something midweek, one or two hours, probably less than five, right? You're spending 10 times more time at work than you are at church. That's why God's presence in the workplace matters. First of all, I became a Christian, came to faith in Jesus when I was at university. I was studying chemical engineering. And, you know, I loved Jesus so much. I fell in love with God. I wanted to do the very best thing you had to do when you were, if you were a Christian. And that was go to Africa and be a missionary, because that's what you did. And I was so in love with God. That's what I wanted to do. Single for service. That was where I was. And it became pretty clear within a couple of months of me declaring this to the Lord that that wasn't his plan for me. And I met John from Northern Ireland and we were to get married and we, I ended up working for GlaxoSmithKline. But at university, we'd had such a great re- outreach. We had done inquiry Bible studies. We'd done missions twice a year. We had Bible study groups. We had discipleship. We'd, so many people came to the Lord when I was at university. So when I started work, what did I think my job as a disciple of God in the workplace was? It was to win people for Jesus. That's what I was there to do. That was, that. That was my main purpose. So I went in with his great gusto, and me and my husband, we got baptized at the same time, and everybody knew him as John the Baptized, and so everybody knew we were Christians, but a year went on, two years went on, three years went on, and like nobody's, nobody's become, nobody's getting saved, what's happening, there's nothing going on here, and I had to ask the Lord, what is it, what is happening, what am I supposed to be doing? I came to realize that what God wanted me to be was an Esther, a Joseph, and a Daniel. And if we look at what, what about Esther, what do we know about the book of Esther? The book of Esther, God's name's never mentioned, but his fingerprint is all over it, right? She's this queen in this real privileged position. It's a multinational organization she's in. She's got wisdom, and she has got this influence over the king, and she fasts. And she prays, and she 
brings God's word into a situation that completely changes Jewish history, completely changes it. Then we look at Daniel. Daniel's a bit of a, he's got this tension of being in an alien place. He's, you know, he's got excellence, he's got high integrity, and he does, you know, he allows a few sort of changes. He allows his name to be changed, he, he accepts that, but he never, ever compromises on his allegiance to God and on his absolute standing and obedience and allegiance with him. Never, ever shifts that, despite everything else that goes on. He will not slip on that at all. And then we look at Joseph. So what, what do we say about Joseph? Well, he, again, I th- single guy, only Jew, as far as we know, in a foreign land. Massive organization, massive. And what do we say about Joseph? Well, he's a management consultant. He scans what's going on. He designs a strategy, and he implements it. And his family and the whole Jewish nation are saved from starvation. So what do we, what do we learn from these characters? Well, there's so much to learn from the way that they deal with powers the way that they deal with being in a, in a foreign kind of environment, the way they deal with their intimacy with the Lord and how they, even in very, very deep and dark places that they're in. But if we look at some of these Old Testament characters, and I just want to kind of do a summary. This is, I'm studying at WTC, and this is Matt Lynch, and he says this about the Old Testament. God is at work creating a people and a place for his presence so that all creation can share in his abundant life. You see, God's presence brings transformation. His presence is transformational. And now we have the Holy Spirit in us. In the Old Testament, they had to go to the temple to worship, right? We now have the Holy Spirit in us, and we carry God's presence everywhere we go. It's all about allowing that presence of God to transform us internally, to transform the people around about us, and to transform longer-term things. So even when we're thinking about you know, sharing the gospel, I can probably count on a couple of hands the number of times I really, really properly shared the gospel. I have some really creative ones, actually. One guy, he was a Syrian living from Damascus, living in the Netherlands, coming into London to work on a project I was on, and we, I was studying Genesis and looking at different Babylonian creation stories, and we had the most wonderful conversation about God of the Bible compared to all these other Babylonian creation stories. It was fascinating. So there's lots of creative ways that we can do that, and when we are tuned in to what God is doing within us, these kind of conversations flow. But you know, it's not just when we're sharing the gospel that God is at work. He's at work in every single thing that we are doing, every single minute of every single meeting of every single day. So it is sharing the gospel, but it is all of, all of our work as well. The other thing that work is not, some people just think, oh, it's I'll invite God in when there's a disaster, when there's a problem, when there's a crisis going on. That's when I'll invite, I'll invite God in. I just want you to think, how many stories in the Bible take place in a workplace context? Can you think of a story in the Bible that takes place in a workplace context? Anybody? Fishermen, yeah, yeah, they're out fishing. Yeah, anywhere, anymore? Say again? Paul, tent maker, perfect. Construction of a temple, yay, Bezalel, we love that one. <laughs> Philippians in jail, great, yeah. Tax collector, they're rolling in now anymore? 
Oz Hillman, who's done a lot on this in the US, he studied work in the Gospels. Of Jesus' 132 public appearances, 122 were in the workplace. Of the 52 parables Jesus told, 45 of them had a workplace context. So often we read scripture and we are looking for the spiritual significance and forget where the setting is. Look at the book of Ruth. Look at all the Old Testament stories. They're all set in these workplace, workplace contexts. I love this quote from Abraham Kreiber. He was the prime minister of the Netherlands. He said, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence of which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. It's mine. So... When we think about work, I wonder what your vision is for work. What vision do you have? What do you think about work? And what's your biblical framework for it? And we don't have to go very far at all to get a biblical framework. Even the first couple of pages of the Bible, we don't need to dig in much deeper than that. Because when we open Genesis, we see a God that works, a God that creates. We see that there was form, it was formless and void and dark. And what does God do? He creates order out of chaos. What else does he do? He creates things that are useful to us. He makes land and water and animals. He creates things that are beautiful he creates trees and flowers and beauty around us. He creates places for humans to fulfill their potential. And he creates land and earth and masses for potential within the soil for us to go on co-creating with him. Is anybody here doing anything that makes order out of chaos? Anybody done complex projects? Order out of chaos. Anybody here making something useful? If you just think of your business, if your business didn't exist, what would the world be like? Ask this to a guy whose business was uh, making door hinges. <laughs> Doesn't sound that exciting, maybe? But imagine if there were no door hinges in the whole world. Imagine. What would it be like? So making things that are useful. What about making things that are beautiful? Who's in art and drama and ballet and theater? All these things, even a molecule, right? I would say a molecule, I'm a chemical engineer. A molecule is a beautiful thing. What about creating places where people can flourish? We, one of the last projects I did at, at GSK, I was asked to redesign the operating model for the organization. We had three businesses. We had a pharma business, a vaccines business, and a consumer health business, 150 countries. And we needed to redesign the operating model because we wanted to separate consumer health out. And we were at the same time doing some work on what kind of working environment really helps people be at their best. And we did some research and did a little lab scale of this for the project team to work in. And I couldn't believe when I walked in through the door to see what had been created, it was like a little Garden of Eden. There was a sound of running water above, above us. This sort of, there's all sorts of reasons for that. There, was, there were grass and trees and things everywhere around us. And there were all sorts of little pods to create spaces for humans to have healthy relationships. And this was so successful, they then implemented this in the offices that we then set up across the globe to, as part of this transition. 
God knows what, how humans flourish. We can tap into his creativity because that's what he has given us. I think Christians should be the most creative people in the world because we've got the greater God in us, working through us. So we've seen that, you know, in the first few pages of the Bible, we've got even what God is doing. And he then created us in his image. Now, you can debate a long time, what does, that, what does that mean? But surely it means that we're like him in some way creating, like he does. The other thing that's really beautiful that I, I want to just touch on is that God created man in his image and likeness and put him in a garden to work it and keep it and take care of it. So beginning of Genesis 2, we get the story where God makes this garden and it's got so much potential and he, and he makes Adam and puts Adam in the garden to take care of it, to continue with that potential, working with him. And he says to Adam to work at it and take care of it. And if you look at that Hebrew word abad, that word for work, elsewhere in the Hebrew Bible, that same word is translated to serve or to worship. It's to worship. And when you look at the Hebrew word shamar, which is um, the word for keep, it's also used for priestly acts of service of worship. So what we're saying here is that his work to care for the garden was a form of worship. It's a spiritual act of worship. And when we see our work this way, it changes everything because you're coming to the Lord and offering everything that you have to him and laying it for him. What is the difference between a plumber who's a Christian and a plumber that isn't a Christian? What's the difference? The Christian carries the presence of God. They have the presence of God and that gets carried into everything that they do and they offer their work as worship. When you look in Leviticus and the priest brings a sacrifice. They brought it to God. It said it was burned up as a fragrant offering to God. We offer our work as a fragrant offering to the Lord to honor him and glorify him in everything that we do. So work is a work as worship. And this, you know, when we worship, transformation happens. Transformation happens within us. We become attentive to what the Lord is saying. I have so many examples of meetings that I was in, and I had no idea. Some of the projects we did were so complex, so crazy. I had no idea how to do it, Lord. I said, you have to show me where to go. And God would give me questions to ask that I had no, I'm going, Lord, where's that question coming from? Why am I asking that question? As I'm asking it, the person responds. I'm going, right, now I understand why I had to ask that question. Inviting God's authority into a meeting. Just say, Lord, I bring your authority into this meeting. Would you take control and would you direct? There's some meetings I'd be in. I'm going, Lord, we've got to get around to that topic and we've got 10 minutes left and we're not there yet. When's it happening? And sometimes you'd think time almost stood still because you would get to that topic and you'd have the conversation and people would align in ways I never dreamed possible. Bringing God into everything. And it's just, it's just a dance with the Lord, honestly. It's just a joy. So transformation happens in, within us and around us and it happens long-lasting as well. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Do subscribe so you don't miss the next one. And if you found the podcast helpful and encouraging, then please do share it with others. For more resources and information about upcoming events, check out our website, workandgo.org, or follow us on Instagram at workandgo.uk. You'll find the links in the show notes. If you have any questions, feedback, or anything else, do get in touch. We would love to hear from you. 
Thanks again for listening.